0: Amen, praise God. How many of the joy of the Lord is your strength tonight? Amen, amen. praise God. Let's get our Bibles open tonight to the book of, um, let me see where I want to start actually. Amen, don't forget, Pastor was reminding me, don't forget this Saturday, this, Saturday night the clocks spring forward. So, no excuses, amen. I know some people are like, darn it, they announced it. We lose time. We lose time. So most phones set on their own. Androids anyways. Go to... uh, I don't know about Verizon though. I don't like Verizon for our church. We have the worst problems here. But... Bryson might not like me either. So I want to try to remember where I want to start here tonight. Go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter nine. I want to do a little teaching tonight, and I want to remind you that we are we are entering in to times biblically and prophetically of a lot of stuff we've been preaching about. um, You know, I told you back in like October, November, get your seatbelts on. And now, I don't know what the next step after get your seatbelts on would be. Uh, Pedal to the metal. Keep your hands on the steering wheel. Yeah, all that stuff. Well, thank God we're not going to need an airbag. Praise God. I'm believing we're not going to need an airbag. But you know, that kind of, brings me into the thought as i'm going to get into to if you're taking notes let me give you the title real quick another miraculous end time prophecy how many want to hear a new one tonight anybody want to hear something new that's happening in the news today um i get continue to get amazed as i'm studying the word how like never before this bible is popping off the pages And I want to say before I get into this, is just all of you, you, you teenagers, young people especially, don't get bored with God. Don't get bored with church. Don't, Don't get caught up in the world. Because I'm telling you, we are in some serious times. We're in some, when I mean serious, I mean we've got to take it serious times. And the devil is doing his best to put us to sleep right now. And he's doing his best to get us thinking about other things and to catch us off guard that's the devil's job obviously the bible says and we've been talking about this a lot that we as believers should not be caught off guard that the return of christ is not going to be a surprise for those that are looking for him and that he's not going to come as a thief in the night for those who are watching and waiting for his return but uh, you've got to watch out that you don't get caught up in this world and get caught up in the things of this world and get bored with, with the monotony of coming to church because, I, you know, I have these thoughts. One of the hardest things about being a pastor is not the positive side of the people who are serving God. It's the negative side of knowing those that are not. That's the hard part. As a shepherd, as a as someone that God has put in, in, in my heart, as in my spirit to love people, it hurts and is hard sometimes to watch people and know you know even tonight all kinds of faces and names come to my mind who've come and gone who may be in a backslidden state tonight who aren't taking things serious who've allowed you may even be here I'm not pointing anybody out but you might even be here you can be at church and be in a backslidden state amen but in a place where you're just not taking serious what's going on around and you know I think sometimes when we're praising and worshiping and it's not a uh, positive thought it's a s- sad thought but a true thought one of these days this church is going to be more full than it's ever been more full than it's ever been it's going to be packed out with people who missed out on the rapture who missed out on God and I, and that's the sad thing is that we've we've never seen this thing to the max like we want to see it in church services but unfortunately, one day, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to get left behind, and they're going to go, wow, it was real. Take serious that now, amen? Realize that we are, and you know, and, and we can talk about this, and I've been talking about this, and we can get to a place where we say, man, I'm so tired of hearing that, and but I promise you, you're going to be glad I told you. Amen. I promise you're going to be glad that I brought this stuff up and kept you reminded because the bottom line is, church, every day that goes by, we do get closer and closer and closer to the actual return of Jesus Christ, to the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, which is the time of tribulation that the world knows is going to happen. Y'all realize that? The world knows it's going to happen. They don't really know what it's called. But they know it's going to happen, and there's, a, there's a, a strange spirit in the air, and it's, there's things that happen that we can't just go, oh, wow, that was interesting. It's like almost like how many times do we have to see a coincidence before we say it's not a coincidence anymore? Amen? I've been telling you for months and months and months about all these different things. Don't forget that you know Christmas is over and time has gone on and our minds are on spring break and our minds are on summer camp and our minds are on all kinds of things. Don't forget that those tetrads are still going to happen next month. The first of four blood moons is going to take place. And you can count on it just as sure as you can count on the clock springing forward Sunday morning. You can count on that something's going to happen miraculously, supernatural, and big to Israel. Because it's a fact. It's a clock. It's like the history book. You can say, I don't really care about history, but history still is history. And these things are coming like crazy. You begin to see uh, the things that are happening in Russia right now. Russia is a major, major, is the most major country and nation and government in end-time prophecy. And what's going on in Ukraine and Russia right now is walking in again to prophecy. And I'm not even going to get into that tonight. That you continue to see the, the problems in Syria. That's not going away. Just because we haven't heard it on the news, it's still there. And Syria is Isaiah 17. Remember that they're going to disappear. the the nation of Syria is going to disappear from the face of the earth. They're going to be ruins. That's a prophecy. So there's some crazy things that are on the horizon and the biggest one is, the one we need to pay the attention to the most is, is the return of our Savior for his church. And we need to get excited about that and we need to get prepared for that and we need to not stop and go, oh, well, it hadn't happened yet because 1 Peter warned us about that. He said, don't get that way where you you begin to doubt and begin to wonder. You know, you can have two attitudes. You can say, well, I don't really want to hear this. Or you can say, you know what? This is going to happen. I can get ready. Because I got news for you. Whether you want it to happen or not, Jesus is going to come back. And he's going to come back for a, a church that's looking for him. And so I have to bring another prophecy tonight that I found that was really, really uh, surprising and amazing, something new that I found. So I want you to read real quick with me Acts chapter 9. I think that's where I told you to go. I'm not going to read the whole thing for time. I'm going to remind you of the story. How many here tonight would, without even going to all of it, would remember the story of Saul when his conversion on his conversion on the road to Damascus? Okay, without taking the time to read it all, uh, I'll paraphrase it. Saul was a What today we could be considered a even a rabbi. He was a person of influence in the Jewish nation. He was very well scriptured in the Old Testament. He was so scriptured and so such a theologian that he hated anything against what the Jewish people believed, and he was very what the Bible says zealous. And he he knew what he believed, and he believed what he knew, and he was a he was a believer. But he wasn't a believer in the new covenant. He wasn't a believer in Jesus Christ as the Messiah. He was a man who believed in the law of the Old Testament. And the Bible says that he believed so much that he got to a place where he was killing and, and having, helping to kill Christians. This is the time of Jesus has come and the Messiah has come and Jesus has died and rose from the dead. He has fulfilled prophecies. And now as he's go, he has rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, the, the New Testament church has started. And the, the, just like today, just like today, there was preaching going on. And they were beginning to preach about the kingdom and the the coming of Jesus Christ. They preached it all the way back then. And they didn't know that it was going to be 2,000 years later. They didn't know. They thought it was going to be right then. And during that time, just like today, there was a conversion of of a man named Saul. On the road to Damascus, he fell off his horse because of the brightness of the sun of God looking at him. And Jesus says, why are you... Basically, why are you persecuting me? Why are you preaching against me? And of course, Saul did not know who Jesus was personally. He had heard of him, of course. And as a matter of fact, he did not believe in him because he was preaching against and killing those that believed in Jesus. But he had a conversion experience and he fell off that horse and he looked up and Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And he said, what do you want me to do? And he said, I want you to go and I want you to receive word from me and the rest of the story is that obviously Saul became Paul everybody knows who Paul is Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament amen he became the most vital person of the New Testament but he was a man that God converted through a dream and through a visitation if you're taking notes pay attention to that okay okay he visited Saul through a visitation. He visited him. Obviously, we know that Jesus was already ascended. Let, pay attention to this. Already ascended into heaven. How many are following me? Jesus was in heaven, and he did not physically come down and, and touch Paul. He didn't physically come down and talk to him. He talked to him from up there, but it was a from heaven dream or vision that Paul, Saul had that was so real had to be real, so real that he did not finish his road to Damascus to get more Christians. He went where God told him to go, and he was absolutely converted. Okay, so this was a man back in the, in the New Testament who we all know today, but I want to show you something miraculous tonight, that there's been a, a, an amazing modern-day Paul story just recently happened. Very, very powerful, and very important in prophecy and in scriptures. And I want to show you that tonight. Just another sign, just another, in quote, coincidence of all these things that are happening in in the Bible and what we've been looking at. And I'm going to try to hurry through this to show you it. So we see that Saul's converted, and he is, for this story's sake, that rabbi, that Jewish believer who turns to Christianity and believes in Jesus Christ. And obviously, not only did he believe... He changed the world through his beliefs, and God used him mightily. Well, Let me tell you about this story real quick, and I'll end it with another one, because there's actually a couple of stories in the Bible, and I'll tell you one more right now if you're taking notes. This is another one of those great messages to share with somebody, to show them how, I hope that when you hear these messages, you just don't go, oh wow, that's good for my faith. I hope you share these with people and, and take time to sit down with a friend or a loved one or somebody and say, hey, let me show you something that's undeniable. Let me show you, you know, you don't, maybe you don't believe in the Bible, but let me show you something. You know, you could take somebody, church, to, to Stellarium and show them that sign I showed you in the constellations and there's nobody on God's green earth that can deny that's a sign. Because it's NASA. It's not us, it's NASA, amen? everybody still remember that? Okay, just making sure you didn't forget that one. Because remember, we talked about that sign happening out of Revelations 12, and that that sign was the middle of the tribulation, and that that sign is going to happen on the clock of 2017. So again, we are we are in a time right now, right now at this moment, that I can tell you after 20 years of being saved, I've never been in. Never been so close to where the actual signs have fulfilled and yes things can be delayed and yes things can happen but we're there church and i want to remind you of that again now that we're 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 going through the maybe going through the motions be careful that you don't fall asleep now wouldn't it be horrible to be running the race the whole time and then at the end faint wouldn't that be a horrible thing the bible says that he who endures till the end shall be saved and so we can't just run this race 90%. You don't get credit for growing 90% in a race. You only get credit if you cross the finish line. Now, it doesn't matter how long it takes you to finish, but you've got to cross the finish line to get that marathon reward. Amen? So we know that that sign happened. We know that we're in March. We know that the Tetrads are happening next, next month. We know without a doubt we are seeing things we've never seen before. And so I was studying and looking, and I'm always trying to find things, and I believe that God leads me to things. I don't believe that I just am looking and I go, oh, eeny, meeny, miny, moe, let me use this. I believe that God shows me and leads me to to something, and then I begin to study it out, and I begin to get a good grip of it so that I can relay it to you and show it to you and make you understand it. One of the things I try to do my best is to teach in an elementary way so that it makes sense, and I don't try to speak above you and say things that don't make sense, or so I sound eloquent. Paul said, I'm not trying to come to you with eloquent words, but a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So I'm not trying to make myself sound good tonight. I want you to understand this, and I want you to be able to tell somebody else about it, because it's a powerful sign. So in Acts 18.8, just for notes there, another time after Saul was converted to Paul, there was another time when, how many know that today in the Bible, or in the world we live in, the Jewish people are an amazing, obviously, powerful nation. They're God's people. But they're also very hard-headed. They're also very uh, dogmatic. They're also know, they know what they believe, and they believe what they know, just like we do, and they do not believe, church, that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. How many understand that? Speaking elementary. The Jewish people are God's chosen people, but they missed Jesus when he came. And to this day, they're at the Wailing Wall in Jerusalem. There's a site you can go to, and you can sit there and watch them go like this and pray at the Wailing Wall, and they're waiting every day. Man, they put us to shame because they're waiting every day and praying every day for the Messiah, which we know already came. They didn't believe he's come yet, and so they, they don't think he's coming, so they're waiting for that. And obviously when he comes, it will be for us, it will be the second coming at the end of the tribulation where he, we come back and rule and reign for a thousand years, and that will be when they see their Messiah. It won't be the first time for us, because we'll be coming with him. Amen. Hope you understand that, and if you have questions on it, get with me, get in your Bible and study. But in the New Testament, Acts is being written, years are going by, and it says in 18, verse 8, that Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, that would be the leader, the pastor, the priest, the the, the holy man of the synagogue, listen, believed on the Lord with all his households. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. How many know today it would be a miraculous thing to see a Jewish rabbi confess Jesus Christ is Lord? Not just a Jewish person. We know that many, and many have, many rabbis have converted. They're called Messianic Jews. They're still Jewish. They still do all the customs, but they believe they're, they're what you call doubly saved. They're like a double Oreo cookie, amen. They're doubly good. They're not they can't miss out at all because they got the Jew, Jewish lineage, lineage and they have faith in Jesus Christ. So it has happened and we see here in the book of Acts that God doesn't put things in the scriptures for an accident or just to put them. He says here that the name, he says the name Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord and all his household. That means that he was a Jewish person uh, rabbi and he said I believe Jesus Christ is the son of the living God do you realize how much trouble that would bring to his home that's big time again we in our Christian nation in our Christian you know walk we take things for granted don't really understand the ramifications that was a huge thing and his entire family followed him and that says because of his conversion many in his, not only his household, but it says many of the Corinthians heard, believed, and were baptized. So we see another conversion. Well, today, in our times, there has been a modern day Paul story. Now, this is not brand new news that I'm gonna tell you, but something just happened that makes it brand new. So back in the middle of the 2000s, around 2005, there was a rabbi who was very famous, very popular, very uh, well known, and very respected. And I'll say his name. Some of you, I doubt very many of you would know who he is, but you might. His name, and I might butcher it, was Yitzhak Kaduri. Okay, that leave anybody? Okay, no one knows who that is. You will after tonight. But this rabbi lived to be 108 years old. That's pretty old in our days. Okay? He died in 2006, which was eight years ago. But this Jewish rabbi, who was well-respected, one of the most respected rabbis, obviously, of the last century, had a vision just like Saul. Just like, well, we didn't didn't see that the scriptures say that this uh, man... Uh, Crispus, sorry, had a vision, but we know Saul did. And I'm going to finish in a second with another story in the Bible that shows this as well. But he had a a vision, and and he says that the Messiah visited him. He began to say this for the last couple years of his ministry as a rabbi. And understand the, 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 the ramifications of this. This isn't just a rabbi. This is a rabbi who was 108 years old. If you can imagine, if he had been a rabbi his entire life, you can imagine the following that he had. It would be for us today like Billy Graham. That important. That well-known. That popular. That, that respected. Let's, let's say more than anything, that respected. It, it, there's no human being on this earth that is a believer in Jesus Christ that does not respect what Billy Graham has done for God. And so this man in the Jewish nation was that respected of God and that respected of the people and he says in his last years he begins to tell people but not telling any detail he begins to say I have had a vision I have been visited by the Messiah you can imagine how that would make them feel if they so respected him they would want to know who the Messiah is you can imagine that. Then He's telling them, I've been visited. I have had a visitation. He has told me things. He has talked to me. And he says, I'm going to begin to read a little bit of what he says. He begins to say, and this is his own words. He begins to say, he has appeared to me in a vision. He has attached his soul to Israel. I will spend this day teaching. This were his last days I will spend this day teaching you how to recognize the Messiah. He's talking to his Jewish followers, for he shall appear soon. You must, now listen, this, I don't know if you just paid attention to what I just said, this Jewish rabbi is prophesying that the Messiah is coming soon. He says he will appear soon. He says you must be ready for his coming. He sounds like an evangelist, doesn't he? Many events of all will take place before his coming, but they will happen quickly. Okay, so he's sitting here telling these followers these things as he says he claimed to have this vision of the Messiah. He says he began to get everybody's undivided attention. He says the whole congregation in the place had their eyes fixed on this beloved teacher. And he says, but I must tell you something disturbing. This is his words. He says, I have no specific information to give you on the following matter other than what I'm about to share with you now. Now, before I read the part that he said, I want to ask you guys, some will, some won't, if you remember the name Ariel Sharon. Raise your hand if you remember that name. If you don't, I'm going to tell you in a second, don't worry. Half, Half do, half don't. How many have heard the name Netanyahu? Why? Because he's in the news today. Who is he? He's the prime minister of Israel. Most of us would have heard maybe or out of sight, out of mind of Sharon. Sharon was the prime minister of Israel before Netanyahu. Okay? He was, he was the prime minister from 2001 to 2006. He was very controversial. Besides the fact that he actually fought, this is pretty amazing, in the war... That, that got Israel their freedom. He was a commander in that army. He was pretty old as well. Well that name is a very powerful name in Israel. Any prime minister of Israel. If we think the president of the United States is important. The prime minister of Israel is the most. Really the most important person on the face of the earth. Why? Because that's God's nation. How many follow me with that? So it's even greater than any public office of anybody in the world because he is the, the leader of God's nation. Okay, so, so uh, Ariel Sharon was somebody very important. Now, I wanted to make sure everybody knew who he was before I continued. He says, I have no specific information to give you other than what I'm about to share. They said in the interview that he was very somber, very quiet, looking down. People were kind of like, talk say something, and he was obviously pretty old, probably having a hard time talking anyways. But he says, the Messiah, listen to this, will, has revealed to me that he will not present himself until after the death of our prime minister, Ariel Sharon. Now let me, I know that many of you are in the same place I was because I honestly knew the name but didn't know a whole lot. Ariel Sharon, this happened in 2005, okay? 26 days or 25 days or a few days after he said those words, Ariel Sharon had a stroke and went into a coma. And then 24 days after Ariel Sharon went into a coma, this rabbi died. That was eight years ago. Well guess what, Ariel Sharon has been in a coma for 8 years. 8 years in a vegetative state. My hairs are standing up as I say that. Not plan planet. He died January 11th. And I don't remember hearing about it. It had to have been on the news. It ha, it ha, I, I started reading this, and I start going to look and see, well, you know, what's the situation? He died in January. So he's been dead for almost two months. Obviously, it had to have been national, national news. They did a huge funeral. Uh, it, it was, you know, all the dignitaries went. How many are still following me here? So this man, this rabbi, says back in 2005, I'm, I'm, I've had a vision from the Messiah. And he's not going to come into power. He's not going to be seen until our prime minister dies. Now, you can imagine the conflict that might have arose when he said that because he was still alive and was still the prime minister. But you can also see how God was involved if two weeks later, three weeks later, he has a stroke. And then I can imagine the uproar in that area. And then obviously after that, 24 days later, he's dead. And so the crazy thing about this is, there's a couple, but one of them is, he says, he says I'm going to reveal who the Messiah is. But I, And I'm, I've written it on paper, but I don't want you to open it for one year after I die. That's what he said. I can imagine the reason he didn't want to reveal it while he was alive was that he would probably have been killed for it. Okay? So, one year later, they, they honor his words. He was very respected. And they open up the seal. They open up the letter. And there's, some, there's a sentence in there. And inside the sentence is some letters and capitals And he says who the Messiah was and he says it is Yeshua. Yeshua is Jesus in Hebrew. So here we are in 2000, the 2000s now, having another prophetic rabbi, very powerful like Saul, prophesying before he dies who the, now, we all know the Messiah is. We already believe. But this is a man who his, his entire life, like Saul, been a priest, or sorry, a rabbi for the Jewish synagogue, and very respected, and has a vision of Jesus himself. And Jesus told him, don't reveal it. He did everything Jesus told him to do. And here, a le- year later, it's documented that he said the person who visited him was Yeshua. Now, that one thing right there is enough to just make us get excited to just increase our faith more. Not that we don't already believe, but God visited this very, 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 the most respected rabbi, and he had that vision, and then he passed away, and so he today is a dead evangelist still speaking. And then you can imagine that, here's kind of what happens in scriptures a lot of times. If you would have been involved in that at that moment or been around it or... How we missed all that, I don't know. God lets these things happen later. But if we'd have been involved in that, we would have been waiting and saying, well, man, when's he going to die? Well, I, thought, well, I thought he was going to die. and we, So he's in a coma. And here's a really interesting thing. I talked to a really good friend of mine today who goes to Pastor Gregory's church. And he's really into prophecy. And we talk a lot about things. We share things we find. And I called him. And actually, I called Pastor Patterson too because I showed him the... the uh, Revelations twelve thing while he was here and he was blown away. I mean it really, really sparked an interest in him. So he's been looking at all kinds of things and we've been sharing things we're finding. So I called him and told him and sent him the link, and then I, I talked to this guy from Pastor Gregory's church, and he I began to say, Hey, have you I got another nugget for you? And I began to share, and as soon as I mentioned Rabbi, he says, I know, and he began to tell the story. But here's what's funny he didn't know he had died. He didn't either. He said, for two years, I've been watching and waiting for the death of Ariel Sharon because of the prophecy. And here he is in Phoenix, and he's been dead almost two months, and he didn't know he died. So it blew him away. He said, this is another humongous sign that the return of Jesus is very soon. Think about that for a second. Eight years ago is a long time. And eight years ago, that was prophesied. And eight years ago, basically, in a way, Saron died. Yet God kept him in a vegetative state for eight years. I'm just putting that way. I don't really know if, you know, God kept him. But for eight years, he's been in a coma. Eight years. People usually don't stay in comas that long or be left in a coma that long. But for eight years, what, you know, this sign could have been being held back. But now he has passed away. Is it a coincidence that he passed away in January of 2014, the same year and the same area of months of the tetrads and all the other things I've been telling you guys for the last few months? Is this another coincidence? I don't think so. I think it's another miraculous end-time prophecy. And I'll close with this. Go with me to the book of Luke chapter 2. Now, have I explained it elementary enough, went slow enough? Not too hard to understand, amen? This guy, just like in Acts 9, Saul, just like in Acts 18, was a rabbi, God's chosen person, and he had a vision from the Messiah, and he said, Jesus is the Messiah. Now, that might not mean a lot to us because we believe, but for a Jewish person to say that, that is more huge than the word huge can describe. Amen. I don't know any other way to say it. But did you know also as you're going to Luke 2 and we close up tonight, did you also know that the news will never say this? But did you know on a daily basis, Muslims are having visitations and visions from Jesus and converting every day because they see Jesus in their dreams? Did you know that? Every day, all over the world. You can can Google it, you can YouTube it, you can hear all kinds of testimonies of Muslim people who are having visitations from the Messiah, from the Savior, saying he is not just a prophet. And they're converting, amen, to Jesus. Praise God. We don't know. Only heaven's going to tell what's really going on. Let me end with this one more story. You know, a lot of times we read something, and I want to really break this down, this part right here to close, and get you in, in, in love with the Word of God. Because even the young people here, this is something, these are the kinds of things that can make you go, wow, this is pretty interesting, this is better than the history class at school. Hey man, this is real. And you can, you can read a story, I'm going to read a story to you right here in a few verses and you're going to say, wow, well, I think I've heard that before. But it's just going to sound like some Christmas story. Until now you see it brought into perspective with everything else I'm talking about and you're going to go, wow, that was prophetic? What is prophetic? Something who tells in detail the future. Something that has not happened that's going to happen. That's prophecy. You know why? Besides the fact that Jesus changed my heart at an altar. You know why I believe so much in God? Because of the 11,000 prophecies in the Bible. Prophecy is not an accident. Prophecy cannot be explained any other way than supernatural. And you can look at all these things. You know, how many have ever heard of Nostradamus? The person who, you know, writes all those things that you see in the Inquirer. Where do you think Nostradamus got all his writings? From the Bible. Amen? Where do you think all these other religions got all their writings? From the Bible. From the Bible. The Word of God. Amen? You you talk about the nation of Islam. They came around 700 years after Jesus ascended into heaven. And they, you know, they have an end times thing just like we do, but everything's backwards. Do you know that? They have the same end times ending as we do. But their prophet is the one that's going to come and save us, and Jesus is going to be the antichrist. It's just the opposite. Where do you think they got that from? Like taking a movie and copying it and just doing the exact opposite. And claiming, you know, claiming, hey, I, I thought of that. Luke chapter 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. How I many you have ever heard that name before? And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed in verse 26 to him by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. See if this sounds familiar to the story I just read you that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, watch this, he took him in his arms and blessed him and blessed God and said, Lord, You are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. Watch this. For my eyes have seen your salvation. He is prophesying, which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light, here goes the prophecy, to bring revelation to the Gentiles. Just stop right there for one second. Do you realize way before Peter had a vision. This man is prophesying that Jesus is going to be the light to the Gentiles. And the glory of your people Israel, verse 33, and Joseph and his mother marveled. Stop there for a second. Joseph and his mother marveled at those things which were spoken of him. You realize the news that Jesus and Mary, sorry, Joseph and Mary had received in the last few years of their life, and that marveled them? Yeah. <laughs> the angel came and said, You're going to have a son, and you're going to name him Emmanuel. I think that's pretty marvelous news. Uh, you're going to give birth to the Savior of the world. That's pretty amazing news. Yeah. Yet this thing that this man is now holding their baby their young child in the church, almost like we would do a dedication. This man comes in and he grabs the baby and when he grabs the baby, something happens and he says, this is not no normal child. God through the Holy Spirit reveals to him, this is the Messiah. This is Jesus. And he'll bring light and revelation to the Gentiles. Glory to your people. Verse 33, they marveled. And verse 34, and Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, Watch this. Behold, this child is destined for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign which will be spoken against. Yes, a sword will pierce through your own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He's telling them, You're going to go through some hard time having this child, but he's going to save this world. Isn't that amazing? Here we are seeing a modern-day Paul, a modern-day Simeon, a modern-day Crispus in our days and in our times. And this man, just like Simeon, just like Simeon, this man, 2005, prophesied, I seen the Messiah. And the Messiah is going to come soon. But he will not come till after the death. Here's another sign of a prophet. Prophets don't guess. Prophets don't beat around the bush and say something general. They don't say something that could happen. When a prophet speaks, they say things that are specific. He could have just said, a prime minister. He could have just said, a leader. But he said, no, our prime minister, Ariel Sharon. And he said a name. He said, when he passes away, soon after, the Messiah Will be revealed. And who did he say the Messiah was? Jesus. Yeshua. Amen. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? Amen. Musicians, you can come tonight. Another miraculous end time prophecy. coming a day soon and very soon as we would sing back in the old days we are going to see the king hallelujah hallelujah we are going to see the king there'll be no more crying there we are going to see the king hallelujah hallelujah we are going to see the king amen how many ready to see jesus amen well you better be ready He could come at any moment. Things are lining up. It's okay to have a little bit of fear. Or maybe fear is not even the word. I I don't know what the right word is. Think about the feeling you had if you're married when you went to get married. Let's think about that. That's the best way to explain it. I know if you're not married it doesn't help. But there was a, a fear mixed with excitement. Because you, you know, you'd never done that before. And you, you knew you were doing the right thing and you knew you wanted to marry that person. But there was a, something going on with fear. And that's how I like to relate the feeling that you can have as we know that our, our bride, our groom is coming to get us. There's a fearful excitement. Why? Because I've never been raptured before. It's going to be my first time, so I'm not really sure what to expect, but I'm excited because I know that if there's anything I've fallen in love with on this world, it cannot compare to the glory that we're going to see up there. Amen. I know if there's anything that I've ever enjoyed, it's nothing compared to what's waiting for us on the other side. Amen, if you've ever had that awesome dream, if you've ever been to that awesome place,' I'm, a, I'm your pastor and I have that fearful excitement, not a fear of I'm not ready or not a fear of I'm not I'm not gonna go, but a fear of wow, what's it gonna be like? because it can happen at any moment. maybe maybe it's like dying too, you know not on the good side part of it, not the actual dying, but you know once you've passed over, not the dying in the car accident and bleeding to death and all that part. We're not afraid to die because we know where we're going. But how many are afraid of how you would die? Okay, so there's a little fear there. So it's the unexpected. None of us have ever died before. So nothing to be afraid of. But that death comes just like that. We talked about that on Sunday. Death comes in in an unexpected moment. Nobody outside of suicide has ever planned their death. It just happens and so you you just have to know I'm going through my day and every day I'm going through my day I'm looking up I'm thinking about the Lord if you're here and you're worried am I ready well just the fact that you're worried about that shows that you are because if you're not worried about it if you're not thinking about it if you're not asking the Lord am I okay then something's wrong with your spirit because you should have that attitude of repentance and God, I want to please you and I want to live right. And you won't be like that people in the days of Noah. They're caught off guard because they're busy with their world and their life. We got to go to school tomorrow. We got to go to work tomorrow. We got to do life tomorrow, but we got to do it as unto the Lord. We got to do it as, as, as tomorrow Jesus could come back and church like never before. I've told you before I could just sit back and just you know, just preach. Let me just t- preach out of Mark 4. Let me just preach out of Joel, Malachi. We just, we just do a Bible study. But these are relevant things. These, let me tell you something. Whether Jesus Christ comes back in the next month or not, it's going to be very interesting to see what's going to happen in the world. Because remember, the last time these tetrads happened, Israel, Jerusalem became a city. And the time before that, Israel became a nation. And the time before that, the Jews were exiled out of Spain. And the time before that was Jesus' time on the earth. So there's not a whole lot of big stuff going on. Something big is about to happen. And you can choose to be scared or you can choose to get closer to the Lord and say, God, I'm going to be ready. And I want you tonight to Pray with me, not only for yourself, but for the people who are not taking this thing serious. Pray for them. Can't do anything to get them back. Can't, they got, God's got to touch them, but you can pray for them. You say, Lord, touch these people that are playing games with their salvation, with their walk, with the things of God.